This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Today we're launching a new sermon series. I'm calling it Let It Go. And I know that those of you with small kids, you probably are thinking of the theme song from the movie Frozen, and I thought about uh, just singing that for you, but uh, you'll be grateful that I'm not. Um, To get us pointed in the right direction, I'm curious of something. How many of you know someone who is easily offended? And I mean, so much so that you have to handle them with kid gloves or they will get upset over something. Raise your hand if you know someone that is easily offended, but do not point at them, okay? No, go ahead and point at them. No, just just kidding. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, chances are you're not awake or uh, chances are you're not on social media. Because social media is full of people who get offended over anything and everything, and they're not afraid to tell the entire world about it. And really, it's not just on social media, but our culture is a thin-skinned culture. Uh, It doesn't take much for something to get under our skin and and offend us. You know, as someone has been mentioned uh, that has been in this community... um, 25 plus years, I've, I, I've seen people, and a lot of them are church people, who get offended over things that afterwards, I, I, I just kind of scratched my head, and, and, and I thought, how did that offend them? And, and I realized that I'm probably not as sensitive as I should be, but it blows my mind how people, even church people, uh, God-fearing people, good Christian people, get their feelings hurt over what I would consider to be non-issues. Now, probably the number one uh, way that people get offended, and, and this seems so childish when we talk about it, but it's, it's through uh, little differences of opinion or what I would call just minor, minor disagreements. And, and my question is this, why can't we disagree on something and still remain friends? Why can't we disagree, as has been said, agreeably, and be fine with it, and let it go, and not have to go to battle against each other. But unfortunately, very few people can do that. Just being transparent with you, uh, the other day, Jim and I had a disagreement. Now, this goes without saying that uh, Jim and I are of a different generation. Uh, I'm one of those old baby boomers. I I mean, I'm one of those baby boomers, not one of the old ones, but uh, and Jim is actually right between a Gen Xer and a millennial. And, and Jim probably wants to be considered a millennial. But, but if you look at the years of birth, Jim is too old to be a millennial. <laughs> and I looked it up, and, and Jim is an ancient Gen Xer, just so you know. But, but there's about 20 years difference between Jim and I, and I know it doesn't look like it. We could pass for twins, but there, there is about 20 years uh, difference between us. But because of the age difference, of course, we don't always agree on everything, and it wouldn't be healthy for us to agree on everything. And, and I, I, seriously, I'm so thankful to have Jim in my life and, and Jim on staff because he helps balance the boomer in me. And, and I go to him on different occasions uh, to get his input. You know, we older people tend, and I didn't say old people, but we older people 
tend to get tunnel vision and and we're not good about seeing other people's point of view and and we're not certainly not good at adapting to new, new ways. And so, Jim, I thank God I go to him time to time. Jim, give me your perspective on this, on this, on this project or in this program. And, and he helps balance me out. But, but a couple of weeks ago, we had a little disagreement. It wasn't anything big. It was big enough to where we went outside and duked it out for a little while. Um, I'm not going to tell you who won. Um, uh, not really. We, we discussed it. I listened to him. He listened to me. It was calm. No raising of voices. We decided to try one of our options for a little while and, and evaluate it. No one was, neither one was offended. Neither one of us, at least I didn't. I don't think Jim, uh, you know, went behind my back and tried to garner support and, and started battling against me. None of that happened. It was just a little difference of opinion. It amounted to absolutely nothing. Now, I still think I'm right, and he still thinks he's right, and probably the truth is that both of us are probably wrong to a certain degree. But, but many people can't seem to have a difference of opinion without becoming offended and starting a campaign for people to take their side. Well, then, then other people get offended over something as silly as, as not responding back to their text. I texted them. I haven't heard anything from them. And, uh, and what makes it worse is that they've got an iPhone and maybe Android, I'm not sure, but, but they'll see what, what I call, you know, there on the left side, bubbles. You know what I'm talking about, the little bubbles when they're reading it and looking like they're going to respond back. And, and so they say, I know they read it because they were bubbling me and, and then they quit and they just blew me off and so I'm offended. And then I've also heard people at this church and other churches as well and they, uh, they say, well, I missed church two or three or four Sundays in a row, and I didn't get a call from the staff. I didn't get a call from any of my friends or any of the members. And, and let, let me just say that I, I know as a church we should do better. We as staff should certainly do better. In, in our church here, we have approximately 75 of our members that, that miss on any given Sunday, and, and we should do a better job of checking up on these people. But really, more than the staff, if we go by the Bible... Do we do that here? You're afraid, aren't you? <laughs> Saying you're setting a trap. But if we go by the Bible, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 says that the church members should be doing the work of the ministry. And so we're all in this together. We should all do better. But if, uh, anyway, far too often we've dropped the ball, offended people by not checking up on them. But, but then on the other hand, there have been those times when we did check up on people who missed. And, and guess what? They were also offended. This is the gospel truth. We've checked up on people that miss church and, and they felt it was none of our business that they wanted to miss church. They said, we don't need you to check up on us. Thank you very much. So some people get offended when we don't check up on them. Others get offended when we do check up on them. And then as pastor, I've seen people get offended at the schools. Do I dare go there? And the teachers are saying, oh, yes, go there. <laughs> because, you know, parents think my kid wasn't treated right, and so they storm the school. And you know what old people say, uh, don't you, of which I'm not one, but I'm a baby boomer, but I'm not old. But, but old people always bring up the fact that in the olden days, if a child got in trouble at school, got in trouble at home. 
if, if I had a nickel for every time someone old said that, I could probably buy a new shotgun or, or, or something like that. But, but seriously, today, what I hear from, from some of the teachers, and, and, and you could probably say a big amen, is that the biggest stressor in teaching, it's not the kids. It's the parents. And if their child gets in trouble at school, all hell breaks loose. The parents march to the school, let the teacher have it, and then sometimes the administration is next, and then ends up at the board level. And then we get offended at, at, at coaches. Coach Barger, uh, why didn't you play my kid? We get offended at the refs. Hey, ref, you want to borrow my glasses? Are you blind? What's wrong with you? How much are you being paid by the opposing team? Aren't you glad you came to church today? Welcome to the Church of God Holiness where it's always positive and encouraging. But we live in an age of perpetual offense, quick to be offended, quick to call foul, quick to judge, quick to be upset. And, and listen, if, if you're on a continuous search to be offended, you will always find a reason. If you go to your workplace tomorrow morning looking for a reason to be offended, you'll find it. If, if you go home and look for a reason to be offended, your wife or your husband or your kids, or especially your cat... We'll make sure that happens. If you go to the doctor or the dentist or the emergency room looking to be offended, you will find it. They won't give you the medicine you want. They won't come up with the same diagnosis that, that you and your quote-unquote professional opinion have. Or you will say, I waited an hour and a half for the doctor to see me a total of three minutes. If you go to the doctor looking for a reason to be offended, you will find it. If you came to church this morning looking for a reason to be offended, you probably already found it. You know, if you haven't, we're going to accommodate you before it's over with. You know, something won't be quite right. Maybe the music wasn't right. You didn't like the style. You didn't like the volume. Maybe you don't like the lights. Maybe the coffee won't live up to your coffee snob standards. Maybe I'll say something dumb. I mean, that's my spiritual gift. So if you came looking for a reason to get offended... We're going to give you that reason today. But I hope you understand there is never, ever, ever, ever a win in living offended. Never a win. I've never found myself saying, oh, I'm such a better person today because I got offended yesterday. Or my marriage is so much stronger because I stay offended at my wife. Or my walk with God is the best it's ever been because I got offended last Sunday at church. You know, so-and-so didn't speak to me. Or I'm loving life now because I'm offended at my child's teacher. I'm offended at the hospital. There is never a win in living offended. Life is too short. Your calling is too great to live always offended by something. Now, we're going to be looking at several scriptures, but the one that will set the tone for our lesson today and actually kind of set the tone, the atmosphere um, for maybe the entire series is, is, is a short scripture. It's, straight, it's a straightforward scripture. It's a blunt scripture, probably will convict most of us. Maybe we should go ahead and get the altar call out of the way, confess to one another and to God. But I want all of us to read this scripture together. You've got this little card in your bulletin if you want to go ahead and pull that out. 
for those of you that didn't drop it on the floor on the way in. And on the count of three, we're going to read it together. If you don't have that, then you can also read it uh, on the wall behind me. Proverbs chapter 19, 11, on the count of three. One, two, three. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 19, 11. One more time. One, two, three. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 19, 11. And that last phrase, his glory to overlook an offense, is where we got the title for today. I've tweaked it a little bit and changed it to, I'm over it. And the question we want to consider is this. How can we as followers of Christ let go of offenses and say, I'm over it? How can we rise above all the little issues that we face on a daily basis at home or at school or at the doctor's office or at church or in the grocery store or on Facebook? How can we rise above the daily temptations to become offended? Well, I want to give you the answer in a short statement that to begin with won't make sense. It's going to sound silly. It's going to uh, sound shallow. But if you'll hang with me, this statement will be pretty profound. You'll find that out and make good sense by the end of our study. So how do you grow past the temptations to, in our day to be offended? Here's the answer. We fill the gap with love. You might want to write that down. We fill the gap with love. And one of the many scriptures that gives us that directive is Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers over all wrongs. So, you ready to work through the statement of we need to fill the gap with love? Let's go. There's a dynamic that happens in every interaction with every person. It's automatic, and so more than likely you've never taken time to think about it. But in every interaction, there's a gap between the action or, or, or the interaction and your reaction. Now, that's a lot of similar words, so let me say it again. There's a gap between the action or interaction and your reaction. Let me, let me try to explain it so that we truly understand it. When, when someone says something or does something, there's a gap. Um, there's a second, sometimes a split second, sometimes it's a millisecond, where you make a judgment call, you assign a motive to where you make an interpretation as to why they did that or said that. There's a split second gap where you evaluate what they meant or what they intended. And, and the key is this, you get to choose what you put in that gap. You get to choose how you interpret what they did or said. Again, let me, let me give you just a boots-on-the-ground example, I, I want to make sure that we understand this. If you meet someone in the foyer of the church and they walk by you and don't speak to you, there's a split-second gap to where you try to decide why they didn't speak to you. You wonder, okay, do they feel they're too good to talk to you? Uh, did you do something to upset them? Do they think you have B.O.? Does your breath smell bad? 
or you just came from a diner that was filled with smoke, and so are they bothered by the smell of cigarette smoke on your clothes, or are they maybe troubled about something in their own life to where they didn't even notice you? So you have a gap, and and most of the time it's just a split second, and you make, you assign a motive as to why they didn't speak with you. One more example. Let's say the pastor makes another one of his horrible cat jokes. There's a gap where you decide, okay, is the pastor just trying to be funny and, and he doesn't realize that his cat jokes aren't appreciated? Surely it's not that. Or is he trying to cover up the fact that he secretly likes cats? Or was he scratched by a cat when he was a child and so he's emotionally scarred and he's scared of cats? Or is the pastor just a total jerk? Or all of the above? There's a gap to where we get to assign a meaning or a motive and try to interpret their actions or words. But but here's the problem. We are horrible interpreters. I am horrible at interpreting your motives, and, and you're horrible at interpreting my motives. I mean, think about those times when someone misinterpreted your motives and, and you found out about it and you thought to yourself, how in, the world could, how in the world could they think that? I mean, surely they know my heart. Surely they know me better than that. We are horrible interpreters. Now, recently I was introduced to a, a phrase that was new to me and, and I asked for a show of hands in the early service if anybody had ever heard it and they hadn't either. So... Uh, I had to do some research to understand what they were actually talking about. But, but, but here was the phrase, fundamental attribution error. Anybody ever hear of that? Fundamental attribution error, F-A-E for short. And, and kind of a simplified uh, street definition of a fundamental attribution error is this. It's when we have a bias to give the benefit of the doubt to our own personal actions because we know we always have good intentions, we know our motives are pure, so we tend to be easy on ourselves. But when it comes to others, we're hard on them. We don't cut them any slack and we don't give them the benefit of the doubt and we judge what they did and we say they're inconsiderate, they're rude, they're just not good people. Bless their hearts, they really need Jesus. And and we do this all the time, you know. For those of you that have small kids, uh, you can appreciate this. We walk into the store and our kid or sometimes our grandkid throws a fit. And, you know, when they do that, there's always a reason, right? Uh, You know, maybe they didn't get a nap or they haven't been feeling well, they're teething. And so give us some grace. You know, my my kid's a really good kid. Uh, My kid's a sweet kid, but he's just having a tough day. But if someone else's kid throws a fit in the store, remember the gap? we quickly determine that the parents are horrible parents. They don't discipline their kid. They're what's wrong with America. And the kid is not ADD and the kid is not ADHD, but he is (laughs) B-R-A-T. And furthermore, the kid is demon-possessed and going to be a terrorist and a serial killer. We need to protect ourselves from this kid. So for our kid, it's, you know, give give me a break. There's a good reason. But for you, you're just a bad parent. And you know, if you would just give me your child for 24 hours, I would whip him into shape. 
You know, you've said that, haven't you? If I could just have his kid for a little while, as my professor used to say in college, you know, I would apply pressure to the transmission until he would shift gears really fast. And there's always a gap. And you get to choose what you put in the gap. And so here's the question. Are you ready? What will you put in the gap? What will you put in the gap? Well, the devil wants you to fill the gap with accusations. Because one of Satan's titles in Revelation chapter 12 is accuser. He, he's accuser of the brothers. He wants you to accuse and say, well, she's always been about herself. Or, you know, all pastors are hypocrites. or the, all, all the church wants is my money. Or our church people are good and godly here. But the church that, you know, everybody that goes to, to the church down the road, they're all fakes or they're snooty or whatever. And the devil wants you to close the gap with accusations. But do you remember the statement that I, I made a long time ago? I said it wouldn't make any sense with? Hopefully it'll now make sense because God wants us to fill the gap with love. And so rather than filling the gap with accusations, God wants you to fill the gap with love. Here's a great verse, Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. So love gives the benefit of the doubt. Love chooses to believe the best. Let's bring this down really close to us. So, if someone doesn't speak to you at church or wherever, the devil would want you to think, well, she thinks she's too good for everybody. But love assumes the best and says, she's probably had a bad day or we really don't know what's going on in her life. You choose what to put in the gap. Or if you're not happy with the school, the devil would want you to say, you know, they're just unfair. They don't like my kid. But love assumes the best and says, you know what, M my child... My child could have misrepresented the whole situation. And, and this doesn't mean that you can't in investigate the situation. But it does mean you should be loving. Or if you don't quite understand why the doctor or the emergency room would give the diagnosis or didn't give you the medicine you wanted, the devil would want you to accuse them as being mean and horrible and insensitive and not knowing what they're doing and, and put that on Facebook. But love assumes the best and says, you know what, they are the trained ones. I'm not. And again, that doesn't mean that mistakes aren't made from time to time. But you should not blast them on Facebook, you should fill the gap with love. Or nobody checks up on you from the church, not the staff, not your friends. The devil would have you think, well, nobody cares, but love assumes the best. And, and, and really come to think of it, you might say, you know what? I, I guess I've never checked up on anybody else when they miss church. And, and maybe the mature thing would have been to let somebody know why I was missing. You choose what to put in the gap. And when there are mistakes made, and, and there will be, there will be mistakes made at, you know, at the doctor's office or, or at school or, or at church or, or at home or at work, there will be mistakes made. 
But when that happens, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 3, be completely humble and gentle. Now that's different than our attitude. If we go and, you know, raise Cain, sometimes some other stuff, and we're mad, loud, says humble and gentle, and it goes on and says, be patient, bearing with one another in love. You know, since Jesus loved you and forgave you and extended grace to you, then maybe you should have grace for others and make allowances for them. And remember this, someone else's behavior is not always about you. The, the bad mood that somebody else is in may not be about you. Their apparent rudeness and, and not speaking to you may not be about you at all. They may be facing a battle of their own. They may have gotten some really bad news. You don't know. So do you want others to give you the benefit of the doubt? Do you want others to give your kid the benefit of the doubt? Then do the same for them because you fill the gap with love. Remember our opening verse. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It's, it's to his glory to overlook an offense. And quickly, what does it mean to overlook an offense? Well, it's not pretending like it didn't happen. To, to overlook an offense is a conscious decision to let it go. It's a form of forgiveness in real time. What's real time? It's, it's a term that's used as an immediate, in-the-moment action. It's a decision to, right now, stay above the offense. Instead of focusing on the offense, instead of replaying the offense and, and thinking, well, man, I wish I'd have said this, and next time I want to say this, I'll be ready. Instead, we pass over it. The devil wants to lower us into the offense. God wants us to pass over it to where we can say, I'm over it. I have real-time forgiveness. This, this isn't going to weigh me down. This isn't going to hold me back. It, it's to my glory. It honors God to stay above it. And so, I'm over it. So, if some people, if some church people had a Super Bowl party and you weren't invited, I'm over it. It's not going to hold me back. If someone makes a snarky comment attacking you on social media, I'm over it. I'm not going to let that weigh me down. You have a disagreement with a friend? I'm over it. Your boss is really cranky and takes it out on you? I'm over it. You have to wait a long time for your food at the restaurant instead of making an ugly post on social media? I'm over it. You have to wait a long time at the doctor's office or at the dentist's office or at the emergency room? I'm over it. Your pastor makes another one of those horrible cat jokes. I'm over it. Just say, bless his heart. He can't help it, but I'm over it. Your mother-in-law criticizes you. That's a different story. That's a lot more serious. <laughs> I, I, I'm over it. Might take me more than 10 seconds, but I'll get over it. You know, my calling is to love God, to love people, be a reflection of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to let the enemy drag me down and cause me to be offended. And I truly believe 
that to be easily offended, and, and I want you to listen to this. I believe to be easily offended is one of Satan's most divisive and destructive tools. Nobody ever changed the world by walking around offended. There is no win in living offended. Imagine Jesus getting offended and saying, uh, Matthew, you weren't paying attention to my Sermon on the Mount. You hurt my feelings. You offended me. Now I'm not going to calm the storm. You're going to have to suffer out there. Or imagine Jesus saying, you know, that that church leader, that Pharisee, that, that pastor, that board member didn't speak to me as I walked by. That offended me, so I'm not going to go back to that synagogue anymore. Or, or can you imagine Jesus saying, you know, you criticize me for letting my hungry staff members pick some grains of wheat on the Sabbath, and, and I'm not in any kind of mood to multiply fish and bread to feed the 5,000. They're just going to have to go hungry today. You ticked me off. Or can you imagine Jesus saying, Thomas, you didn't even compliment my miracle. I, I opened blinded eyes. You didn't tell me I'd done good. I mean, what else do you want me to do? Raise the dead? Jesus was on a mission. And he wasn't going to get sidetracked by all of those little offenses. And, and I think that when we're tempted to get offended over something, we need to tell ourselves that the calling ahead of us is greater than the offense behind us. Life is way too short. Our calling way too important to be offended by something small. So I'm over it. You know, there's always a gap. And we need to fill the gap with love. We assume the best, even if they're angry and mean and hateful and hurtful. I'm over it. You know, if I could sit down with every one of you and try to represent, and I've been praying about this, you know, how would God want me to kind of close out our time here? But if, if I could sit down with each of you I believe God would want me to say to you three or four things. Number one, don't get caught up in social media battles. There's no win in that. You know, the Bible says if you do get offended by someone, what does it say? Go to them face to face, not on Facebook. Face to face. Number two, don't get offended over little disagreements and lose a friend over it. Remember, I'm over it. Number three, don't ever, ever, ever not speak to someone because of a perceived offense. I'm over it. Lastly, I want you to dial in here for a moment. Don't become part of a small group with other discontented people. Birds of a feather flock together. And it seems that, that offended people find other like-minded offended people. And they believe there's comfort in being with those who have a mutual bond of bitterness. Don't do that. There are plenty of bitter, offended people around. Don't become part of that small group. I don't know about you, but I've done so many things to offend the heart of God. And the grace that he's shown me is the same grace that I want to show to others. And so as we leave here today, I pray that God would help us to break away from what society is encouraging us to do and that's to you know stand up for your rights 
give them a piece of your mind, let them have it. Don't let them treat you that way. Did you see the look that they gave you? Did you hear the tone that they said that to you in? I'm over it. I'm over it. Don't let that drag you down. You know, if they meant harm, you know, God will deal with them. Aren't you glad you don't have to be the judge and the jury? You know, God does all of that. There's a gap. You have a choice. You can fill it with accusations or you can fill it with love. Let's pray together. Father, I know that seems like in our, our world today, it's, we, uh, we, we get offended over so many things and, and we celebrate it. Lord, it's almost, uh, in our society, it almost raises our approval rating if we can say, boy, did I ever let them have it. Yeah, you know, I, I took a stand and I'm not going to talk with them. I'm going to make them suffer. Father, I believe that kind of thing is so divisive today, and I believe it breaks your heart because, Lord, when it goes back to it, we really broke the heart of God. We, uh, we did things. We said things. Lord, our motives were not pure. We, we were so lost in sin. And God, you showed your grace upon us, and you gave your grace to us, and God, you gave us another chance. And then when we messed up again, you still gave us another chance. And so, Father, I pray for, first of all, those that, those that right now are maybe at odds with a friend. And it's not bad, but just a little bit of tension. I pray that this week that they would have the courage to go face to face and not really get into a long discussion, but just say, you know what? Life's too short. My calling too great. Our calling too great. Let's just find peace. Lord, that they could just pray together and be restored. So, Lord, I pray that anyone here that has a broken relationship or even a wounded relationship, I pray that you would, you would help them to find peace. And, God, I was just praying about that this week. Lord, if there's anything I'd like to see accomplished here at the churches for those that are, are, are at odds, that there would just be peace. And Lord, I pray that we would have real-time forgiveness. God, that you would uh, not necessarily give us thick skin because sometimes there's not that sensitivity, but Lord, you would help us to, uh, whenever a criticism is labeled at us or, or given to us, that there would be uh, maybe some thick skin, but yet sensitivity to where we understand their heart and that we would always fill the gap with love. So Lord, I pray that you would help us as we go from here, that we would forgive in real time. Thank you for your word, and I pray, God, that you would just continue to do a work, that you would refine us, that you would make us into the body of Christ that we need to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you go, I've been uh, doing a lot of praying and uh, looking towards next week's, and I, I would encourage you, if, if you have ever felt betrayed by someone or wounded, I would ask you to come back next week. And uh, Lord willing, I've been praying about this. I want to make sure that I don't violate what God wants, but I've been sensing that may, maybe God wants me to tell a little bit of my story that I've never shared in a setting like this before. And uh, 
I, I believe that God wants to do an amazing work. And so if you run out of things to pray for, pray for me. Pray for your struggling baby boomer uh, pastor. And uh, I believe God is going to do amazing things here. Thanks so much for coming. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.